Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival from August 3rd to 6th in Drumheller, Alberta. Arrival of Autumn is a metalcore band from Grand Prairie, Alberta, who just released their third full-length album, Kingdom Undone, on May 26th of this year through Nuclear Blast Records. They, too, will be joining the lineup of Loudest Hell this year, and I'm stoked to be chatting with Jameson Friesen, vocalist and guitarist of Arrival of Autumn. Jameson, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I gotta say, uh, I, I used to be <laughs> the guitar player in Arrival of Autumn. Um, sorry, um, you cut out for just a moment there. Um, I didn't get any of that until you said guitar player. So do you mind just repeating that for me? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I used to be a guitar player in the band. Oh, okay. Um, I've, we, we hired a, a fifth member, uh, to take over those guitar duties and now I just run around with a mic so <laughs> okay so that's that's a totally change in responsibility then too so you're you're kind of like you're taking away from the guitars in, in that regard but you brought somebody else on board and now you can focus on your performance as a vocalist so how does that feel feels great I've definitely become a much better vocalist just focusing on that alone and uh, you know the fifth member that we brought on Ryan is uh, a far better guitar player and uh, riff writer than I am. So there we go, win-win. Yeah, exactly. And, and him and I work really well together. Um, like we we write most of uh, most of the vocals, like on Kingdom Undone, where him and I collaborating. So he's oh, cool. uh, a huge asset. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we we push each other in the right direction, and and we challenge each other, and it's, it's fun. We make a good team. <laughs> Good. That's important. So we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but coming from a small city, was it difficult to find another member? Uh, no, we poached him from another band. <laughs> so <laughs> One of the five? Yeah, one of the five. <laughs> um, well done. Yeah, we, we met him through the scene, and we were like, yeah, this guy's really, really good. We need him. <laughs> Fair enough, and he basically joined, hey? Yeah. Awesome. The way that I start this countdown series is basically just asking about Loud as Hell, and you're no stranger to Loud as Hell. You've played in, if I if I got my stats correct, it's 2018, 2019, 2021, and now 2023. Yeah. Perfect. Did you end up seeing the festival before ever playing it? I never did. I always heard about it. Uh, it was just always tough to, you know, head all the way down to Drumheller for, uh, for the time, mm -hmm. and... Uh, like we've we've been a band as long as loud as hell's been a festival so if we weren't if we weren't doing shows out of town with the band we weren't really going out of town much so mm. it just took until we finally managed to convince Jeff to book us till that, that was our first time making it out there and then you guys have now gone back this year it'll be four times so what keeps you coming back Jeff <laughs> and the fans and the environment and uh and and the friends as well uh, because over the last decade, we've made so many friends in Western Canada in, in the metal scene, and that's the best opportunity to come together and, and all be in the same place at the same time. That kind of thing is something that I think Jeff really focuses on. Like he keeps it, like he keeps the staff familiar to him, people that he brings on board, he gets to know very well. He's good with chatting with everybody, whether it be band members, he's always in the, in the crowd talking with people just there. And I think it just seems like a priority to me f on that side of things. Like he wants it to be that family friendly um, feeling, I guess, when you go in. Yeah. He's also, I think like experiencing the festival as it's happening 
making mm-hmm. sure it's, you know, meeting everyone's expectations, especially his own expectations. Yeah, and I've said this a couple other times, but I've never seen somebody so busy. Like, he's not just at the back, kind of just watching everything unfold. He's in the midst of everything. He's, whether it be in the crowd, enjoying a mosh pit, he's dealing with drinks and food, he's dealing with the artists and everything else from security. Um, obviously, this, the stage itself, like, he, he's a hands-on kind of guy. Yeah, very busy. Hard to get some of his time <laughs> during the weekend, yeah. Last year, I had a good chat with him, and I released it on the first day of the festival. And so one of the things I asked him was just about how he selects bands. And he said it's quite rigorous process, essentially, because he gets so many submissions every year. Now this is your fourth time, like I've said a couple times. Why do you think he keeps choosing you guys? Uh, He's definitely a fan of us. He's not shy about that. (laughs) No, he's definitely not. He's traveled to Grand Prairie to see us. He's traveled to Calgary to see us. Um and we appreciate his support so much and uh yeah like like we were talking about before we started recording overplaying your city and stuff like we don't want to as much as we love playing loud as hell we don't want to overplay loud as hell either which is why we've we did the year gap the last few years 2020 obviously was a gap year um so we're kind of like yeah every every second year if you want us, <laughs> we're in. <laughs> and so far, so good. And that's good for you guys, too, because you continue to see how the festival grows and you keep coming back to see all, like you said, your friends across Western Canada. There's so many bands from little towns or cities that I hadn't even heard of before these these relatively local festivals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you might even hear about bands from your own city that you hadn't heard of yet. And it's great. You can just, yeah, enjoy... Like they, since they moved it outside, you can just enjoy the the drumheller heat and uh, kick back and watch it all unfold and and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, so awesome. Did you guys make it to last year's festival? Uh, no, we didn't. But um, friends of ours from Grand Prairie, a band called Devolver, played. Uh, I think the Friday. I think they played just before that crazy storm hit. Devolver. I didn't realize they were from Grand Perry as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. And they also recorded a new album with uh, Mark Lewis as well. Mark's been coming up to Grand Prairie like crazy the last couple of years. Nice. Yeah. So now that we've discovered two of the metal bands in Grand Prairie, who are the other ones? Uh, oh, man. So there's, yeah, AOA, Devolver, uh, Went on Fire. Oh, what, what are they called? See, like, I'm on the spot now. um and i'd hate to miss an opportunity to give a shout out but i can't remember uh there's a new band called dog poison okay and they're uh they're just like really nasty death metal kind of okay um that's all i can think of right now i'm terrible for on the spot lists (laughs) No worries. I have some trouble too when people ask like what I listen to because it, it changes so often now, especially yeah. because of the podcast. So I kind of feel like an asshole and I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you've obviously had a chance to check out now who's on the bill for Loud as Hell. So is there are there any bands that you're really excited to see play live this year? Uh, well, excited to see Insight again. We toured with them back in 2019. And uh, so it'll be like four years since we last saw them play. And uh, since we saw them, they've hired our buddy Lane uh, on as their new guitar player. 
uh, Lane from Becomes Astral, another great Canadian metal band. Uh, so it'll be fun to see him play with with Insight. I've uh, never seen Jungle Rot. Really looking forward to that. And uh, you know we got we got some uh, some friends playing as well, like Horrify. Stoked to see them again. Good boys. And uh, yeah, yeah. Off the top, off the top, that's like the what I'm most excited for. <laughs> Ho hoping to make it to the uh, kickoff party to see Eye of Horus as well. Their new shit is crazy. We just played a couple of gigs with them uh, at the end of May. And they played like mostly new material, and they're just so so good. It was amazing. I'm stoked to hear that because um, I actually had a recording booked a few hours ago, just before today, and something happened where we weren't able to meet up. And I've been looking forward to hearing some of their new stuff. So hearing you say that it's yeah wicked is is great for me. And so yeah, it's wicked. Diego and I, Diego and I are looking to reschedule here, but now we get a, it's down to crunch time, so we've got to figure time out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, figured it would be with Diego. Um, that guy, he worked very, very hard on the new material, and it shows. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's kind of a double-edged sword when you, when you have a band that you like that doesn't release something for a few years because they kind of get buried in you know, the onslaught of new music with, with Spotify and social media and stuff like that. But at the same time, then they can take all that time and pour all their, their energy into it. So I'm really looking forward to it. But at the same time, it sucks that it's been so long. Yeah, worth the wait. I'm really excited for it to for it to drop, yeah. That's good to hear. Speaking of new music, I guess it's safe to assume that you'll be playing uh, some of your new music at Loud as Hell? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got, uh, I want to say, at least four new songs ready. So that'll be nice. good. Yeah. <laughs> and do you guys always prepare a set list? Uh, sorry, uh, two different questions here. Do you have a yeah. set list prepared for Loud as Hell? And do you guys generally use the same set list for like a tour and then any subsequent festivals? We're probably going to, we'll probably start with the set list that we used on the tour we just wrapped up and, and make some slight adjustments. Um, it was a pretty great set list. We kicked it off with new stuff and then went back to Harbinger for a, a good chunk. And then kind of, you know, ended it with more new stuff. So I, I like that formula a lot. Um, gets gets the crowd hyped up off the jump with the new stuff. And then stuff they're more familiar with. They're more comfortable moshing to. So you can kind of keep that energy going. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, save the best for last. Like <laughs> the tried and true method of holding back the, the, the best of the best for the last song of the set. And just go out with a bang so that's the best way to end a set too especially i mean i've never been on stage so i don't know how it is from that perspective but from a, an audience member perspective like it's really cool when that that one song comes on that just fucking blows your mind and it's what yeah, you've been looking yeah. forward to all night and then it, that's the last song it's the perfect and you're like the band just said there's one song left they haven't played their biggest song yet yeah they don't play it next. <laughs> What's this all been about? <laughs> well, then sometimes you're sitting there going through the math in your head. Okay, I've got these three songs. We're missing two over here. Yeah. <laughs> and as we're recording this, um, you just touched on earlier that you finished up your album release tour, visiting a number of the states, uh, BC and Alberta. So now that you've had a chance to play with some of the new stuff on stage, which are some of your favorite songs to play live? And are there any that don't don't really work with some of your older stuff? Uh, it's all working well together. Like we've we've kind of paired up. Like we played. I don't know how familiar you are 
uh, we played Apocalyptic from Harbinger into One More Day from Kingdom Undone, and those rolled right into each other very well. So like, we're we're working with like matching vibey songs together to try and have a good flow. Um, Scars goes over very well live. People go crazy for that one. Um, yeah, one more day is really cool. Like in the midsection when it when it slows down and then picks back up. People are like really stoked to get back into the mosh pit. So yeah, we're we're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, we we were playing liminal on the tour, which is our like really short, crazy, hectic banger mm-hmm. on the new record. And uh, yeah, that one is just pit city. <laughs> really fun. <laughs> I like that you guys have fun on stage too. Like, you know, kind of when the crowd is anticipating like either a mosh pit or a little bit, uh, an uptick in energy. It's pretty cool. It's funny too. Like we're anticipating a mosh pit. The crowd's anticipating a mosh pit, but until you say kill each other (laughs) or, you know, whatever (laughs) mosh call you choose, yeah, they hold back. And then as soon as you tell them to go, it's on, it's so funny, but it's, uh, part of the fun of, I guess, fronting a, a metal band is getting to like you got to know when to push the crowd and you got to know when you're just not gonna break through to them and that's okay you know so like finding that sweet spot where you can work the crowd and they're responding well is always really fun and rewarding and makes for a really good set all the way around like the band feeds off of a crowd's energy any musician will tell you that and uh if the crowd is into it the band just plays that much better it's it's science (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely reciprocal i can find i can imagine it being difficult on stage if you say if you if you look at the audience and you don't really have much of a reception you kind of don't want to put more into it or maybe on the other side it'll make you try harder because you want to get them invested yeah like the answer obviously isn't to just stop like moving and just, you know, phone it in. You still, you know, still give them a performance, but it does make for a much better one when <laughs> when the crowd is uh is high energy. Totally. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but with with dropping the guitars, it actually allows you to concentrate on that a whole lot more. Yeah, 100%. I'm uh, running all over the stage, jumping, headbanging. Every now and then I'll even go into the pit myself. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I yeah. love it when it's interactive like that because it kind of brings you uh, uh, more personally close to the experience, I guess would be a good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. We were opening for Avatar in Edmonton and uh, I was hyping up uh, the next song and I was like, if I don't see a mosh pit, I'm going to start one myself. And then this guy was like, get in here man i was like challenge accepted song kicked in and i jumped in and <laughs> we had fun <laughs> i like how he's calling you out thinking yeah this guy's not gonna jump off yeah he's you. gonna chicken out and I, yeah. I was in there <laughs> you're like fuck you man this is my show yeah <laughs> i'm actually glad you brought up avatar because one of my next questions was talking about touring so you ju- also just finished up a pretty lengthy tour with heathen you've also played with light the torch and avatar and that yeah. was on the same tour correct yeah, uh, we played the Alberta dates of that tour, just Calgary and Edmonton. Mm. Okay. Yeah, um, amazing. And, so much fun. 
And then apart from that, you've also got some other impressive touring history. So In Flames, Unearth, Soulfly. So these are pretty big names to tour with for any band, but especially a Canadian band, as we've already touched on from such a small city. So what are the things that you feel have contributed to uh, that success? And is there anything that just happened at the right time? Uh, just, you know, constantly pushing ourselves, getting getting signed, definitely got a lot of attention uh, thrown our way, which definitely helped us lock in a, like a lot of those major shows. And, you know, just you got to be willing to do it. Like the, the tour within Flames was eight weeks uh, in winter. It was grueling. But but uh, but every day we were interacting with and sharing a stage with in flames. So it, it keeps yeah, you no going, shit. you know, <laughs> like, no, no. um, yeah. So, I mean, like people, people want to see that you're playing shows, releasing music, regardless of what level you're doing it at. If, if you don't, if you're holding back for the big thing to come, it won't come because no one wants to take a band on an eight-week run when they haven't ever toured before because they might not be able to actually catch up. They might not actually be able to do the whole eight weeks. Who knows, right? Um, mm-hmm. So just our just our constant, like our trajectory, like our, our hard work and our, what, what, what do they say? Luck is a combination of hard work and timing like we were at the right place at the right time when we caught the attention of nuclear blast we'd been we'd been preparing ourselves for that the same as we'd been preparing ourselves for getting a a tour offer from in flames and being able to accept that tour offer and 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 then make that happen so just be be ready to uh, like have these insane things that we could only ever dream of happen and and then they might happen and then you're actually able to do these things and, and it's it's still crazy to me. <laughs> but uh, and then and just like the yeah like we did the Heathen Tour and then the Kingdom Undone Tour we just did was just us headlining for a couple of weeks across Western Canada and the U.S. because we were like, you know what, we want to push our record and nothing was lining up with any other bands, any big bands, you know, so to speak. Um, So we were like, let's just do it. And so you just got to be the band that's doing it and then opportunities will, uh, will come your way. It's almost like the saying, like, dress for the job you have, or sorry, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And in this <laughs> case, I can see, like, if you're playing balls to the wall, you're consistent with your touring schedule, with releasing. Uh, now, unfortunately, you have to be consistent with social media and staying up to date online. So if you're doing all those things at a level that, say, record labels or bigger bands are looking for as tour mates, then you're in a great spot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned bands that may not have toured before, how they may not be chosen for tours. And I never actually considered that it, it, it's almost like it's like a stamina thing. Because if you're taking somebody, like you said, on an eight-week tour, they have to be willing to show up every night, be at the next venue. And if they don't have experiences, that's going to be fucking hard. It's, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Um, 
like for the Inflames tour, it, it's the best example because we had shows that were, you know, eight hour drives away from each other consistently. And you got to be there in the middle of the afternoon to make sure you're loaded in, sound checked and ready to go for, you know, six or 7 p.m. was usually our set time. Mm-hmm. So that usually meant driving till five or six in the morning, sleeping for a few hours, and then someone else waking up and finishing the drive to get us to the thing. So like we had day shift and night shift and we just constantly were rotating, making that shit work. And it was, uh, yeah, just crazy, <laughs> but so fun. So amazing. I bet you it's like, from my perspective, it would, it'd be the driving that would kill me. Like the shows you can do it with the tear down, the setup, the sound check, all that kind of stuff. But it's the driving in between like eight hours to go just to a different venue. Can't be easy, especially day in, day out. Yeah, it's tough. And you're always in the back of your mind, like, hope our van doesn't break down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, you know, like people are understanding of that too. Like mm-hmm. every, every now and then a band will miss a day or two because they have to sort out another way of transportation and stuff. But always on the back of your mind what can go wrong what can go wrong but it's uh it's something you just gotta throw yourself into nothing nothing worth doing is easy and and uh so you gotta just make it happen and you gotta want it pretty bad because eight weeks away from home living in a van in the middle of winter is is tough (laughs) it's not comfortable that's for sure yeah it's not comfortable (laughs) (laughs) especially canadian winters yeah for real yeah i remember the drive from calgary to edmonton on that tour was one of the most dangerous drives we've ever done there was vehicles in the ditch everywhere it was nuts and uh yeah yeah stuff like that just crazy do you remember how long that drive took you because normally it's about three hours yeah i think it was like five five or six hours that's excessive yeah, yeah. I've done nuts. that a couple times. Unfortunately, <laughs> one time that I headed up there it was five hours just because of um, I, I think there was an accident or some sort of incident on the road, but it was backed up for for hours. It was ridiculous. That's that's where I think we are. Like, take a band from Texas and throw them on a winter tour where they have to go up to Edmonton in an ice storm, and then you know we've grown up in this, driven in this our whole lives, so we count ourselves lucky in that as well but it still makes for some uh entertaining drives yeah <laughs> no doubt especially with the van too do you guys generally pull a trailer or have everything in the van we pull a trailer yeah we just like to have like we've got bunks in the back of the van oh that's so nice. yeah yeah so we like to have as much room as we can in the van minimal like we keep our luggage everything in the trailer mm-hmm and the trailer's kind of like our green room, too. If we don't have anywhere to hang out before the show, we'll just kick it in the trailer <laughs> or, you know, nice. in and around it. That's a great idea. It keeps, I mean, it's extra space for you guys. It's a little bit more privacy if you don't want to sit inside the venue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is now your second release with Nuclear Blast. How did you originally get involved with them? Uh, we, so we, uh, back in 2016... Went down to Audio Hammer Studios in Florida. Uh, it's Jason Sukoff's studio. Mm-hmm. And we recorded like a three-track 
EP demo with him. And he sent it out for mix notes. And it caught the attention of uh, Monty Connor at, at Nuclear Blast. And he was like, hey, this is cool. This is good. Um, would these guys want to do uh, an album, <laughs> basically, is the short version. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, that's that's all credit to Jason. He he hooked it up. He like we were like, yeah, you know, like we know he'll we, we wanted a high quality recording was the goal. And then in the back of our minds, it was like, yeah, labels like high quality recordings. So we're more likely to get signed if we have one. Little did we know he was going to send that recording to Monty Connor. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, Jason's the best. He's he's amazing. And that was just him being, you know, he tells us he sent it for mixed notes, but he was really doing us a huge solid. <laughs> That's and, pretty cool. Uh, and he did that without crazy. your guys' knowledge. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. So when you originally got on board with nuclear blast was it like an album album basis and currently are you signed for a certain number of releases album to album basis so we yeah we signed for the first record and then we signed another for the second record and we'll see how long they put up with us (laughs) (laughs) fair enough and did they give you any deadlines or anything like that or ask you to keep to a certain schedule no it was all pretty much whatever we wanted to do um we wanted to just make sure that uh, COVID wasn't going to screw us up with the release. So we recorded it during the lockdowns, and then we started lining up the release as everything looked like it was going to actually be able to happen. Because even into like early... Yeah, even into early 2022, shit was still getting canceled now and then not everything but it was still like uncertain and then as we got into the back half of 2022 we were like i think we can actually put this record out and play some shows so let's do it (laughs) yeah it's definitely a better way to go about things rather than at the start of covid where people had tours lined up their albums released and then everything got shut down yeah and like you had lamb of god like i think they delayed their record by, by like a month but they were like you know what screw it let's just put it out and i mean they're a big enough band to get away with that um like uh like heathen we just toured with them they put their album out in like march 2020 and then they weren't able to tour it at all until like yeah like two years after that i think they started touring in 2022 and uh that that definitely sucked for them and 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 a lot of bands who had releases scheduled to go in 2020, yeah. Mm-hmm. This time around, was Heathen still touring for the release of their last album? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. That is that is quite a ways away. It is, yeah. And, and as much as it sucks, it's a real thing that uh, people have short-term memory when it comes to music releases. Like, a year from now, this will still be our new album, but people will be like, this is... A year old what are you talking about where's the new stuff right yeah you know? yeah they'll definitely be asking where's the new stuff and you're like man i just yeah. put stuff out it's it kind of sucks too because like because there's so much new stuff it feels like time in between releases is a lot more than it actually is yeah definitely it's funny like you get those bands that are on a cons- consistent 
two year album cycle and it's like how the hell do they do that so tightly like black dahlia murder for the longest time every two years album 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 and then you get like avenge sevenfold that just took six and a half years to put out an, a, an album and it's like okay that's way too freaking long <laughs> like um there's yeah everyone's got their own reasons why they take the time they take i guess life is random you can't control it as much as you'd like sometimes just always been impressed with especially the black dahlia murder and like trivium like boom 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 albums like always putting out good consistently good music it's those are the bands that we look up to like we definitely we definitely would love to be able to do two-year album cycles it's just I just don't actually know how they pull it off. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not for lack of determination. But you guys sure. are set up pretty well for this kind of thing because you've already been signed with Nuclear Blast. You're consistently releasing records now and you're kind of getting to that point where you can focus more on music rather than, say, like a side job or more normal things, if that makes sense, or if that's a good way to say it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like... Like, we know that if we buckle down and stick to a really strict schedule, we could have another album out in 2025. Um, But in our experience, we get thrown these crazy curveballs that just always push our schedules and deadlines out of our control. And we, like... At first, it was hard to deal with. We were like, man, we really want this to go this way. And some, everyone reacts differently to that, to stuff becoming out of your control. But we've learned to just go with the flow a little bit more and like know that as long as you're doing your part, you're, you're writing music, you're working on stuff, the release will happen (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what sometimes it doesn't matter if it takes a little bit of extra time so long as you guys are still pouring your heart and soul into it again it comes back to that uh, the whole notion that if you just throw out shit it's gonna be received as shit yeah yeah which so far no one (laughs) has had too strong an opinion of our stuff being shit so i think we're getting away with it there was that one guy on twitter (laughs) <laughs> that really didn't seem to like it. I had a good laugh at that because I'm just like, yeah. It was, Did we engage with that guy? Yeah, so it was basically yeah, because he guy. put out a review and right. it was just yep. overwhelmingly negative or at least from my memory. And I mean, there were good points on both sides. Fair enough. You want to review something, give your honest opinion. Now, the other side of it is this review is out before it was released. So somebody with a lot of, I guess, influence in that sphere could actually have whatever they say could have resulting impact on the music in your guys's release yeah yeah um i didn't engage with him myself um (laughs) but i i am aware of that interaction and and i yeah yeah um putting out negative reviews like a week before an album drops is uh whether it's the industry standard or not it shouldn't be. It's 
it's like I don't know if it's like a move to try and boost your own channel uh, by having an inside scoop and being like, hey, guess what? The hype ain't it or whatever. Um, but no, it's shitty. <laughs> yeah, super yeah. shitty move. I don't know what the what the alternatives can be because I understand like sending out EPKs to different re- reviewers, having people look at your stuff before it comes out. I also understand reviewing beforehand. However... I I don't think it gives everybody the same chance because there's only a select few people that can listen to it. And the thing is, reviews are generally all subjective anyway. So if this person's yeah. not a fan of that type of music, it's a failure to begin with. Right. Like oh. I, I would never review a country artist because I would <laughs> exactly. be overwhelmingly biased against them. But yeah. for someone that I loved, like say if I ever reviewed Black Dolly Murder, there would be nothing but good things to say because I have those high expectations. That and they have a good track record. Yeah, yeah. They'd have to really, really botch it in order to, in order to disappoint me. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, you know what? Negative review your your heart out after the fucking thing's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just wait those few days. It's really not that yeah. big of a deal. Totally. That's what I hated about the video game review thing too, because I used to I used to like watch some YouTubers, and I would kind of pick my video games based on them when I was really into video games, and I found that some people would gravitate towards the same type of games and then after a while i realized it was basically just a way for them to sell or sell product or kind of i don't know not silence it but just kind of steer people away from it yeah yeah a lot of the video game review like like i had to unfollow ign i'm like this is this is either spoiling shit for me or obviously biased reviews that are being paid off by the developers it's just maybe not the case but i was like this is whack i'm I'm done (laughs) ign was one of the ones that i actually had to unfollow first because i started noticing that i was like some of the games i really agreed with and then ones that were completely out in a different ballpark they were like oh this is great and i'm like this has there there's no like standard if that makes sense like it, it just seemed like you said probably directed somehow by the by the distributors or the software um software companies i can't remember what they're called off the top of my head yeah anyways see it in movies now too where like the critic score is a hundred percent and then the and then the viewer score is 30 percent or vice versa it's like how is this happening with almost every release these days yeah (laughs) exactly it's just doesn't make sense well, I mean, there there are different things that people pay attention to. Like if you're just an audience member, whether it's with music, movies, video games, if you're just like a casual enjoyer of that medium, then you're not going to pick out the same type of things. But say if you're a reviewer for music and you have some history in like musical theory or a lot more experience in certain types of music, you can pick out different elements to it and see how they flow together, whether it complements the rest of the album, that kind of stuff. But as somebody yeah. who just enjoys the music, it's like, Generally, I don't care about half that shit. Dude, same. Like, if there's an album I'm looking forward to, a review's not going to stop me from checking it out. And if there's a band I've never heard of, I can't think of a case where I haven't just discovered a band because of a good or bad review. It's, it's usually just a natural process of a friend sent me this or I was just on the internet and this came across my path. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'll check out reviews if I'm on Netflix and it's like, okay, this movie or that movie, let's let whichever one has a better IMDb rating decide tonight. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah, about fair enough. Yeah. So I don't even, I don't know what the point of music reviews is. Cause yeah, it is so subjective. Um, it's so much just one's own opinion and, you know, metalheads are opinionated as, the best of them <laughs> <laughs> that's very true so, it's uh yeah you'll you'll know within the first two tracks whether our album's for you or not so if you don't have 10 minutes that's fine too <laughs> but yeah that's, that's all it'll it, take like, even with negative reviews if there's something that intrigues me whether it be a new musical direction or a different kind of like maybe an art style that i really haven't seen in a while or a band that just looks like something i'd like to get into i don't give a fuck about the review i'm going to check out a few songs like you said yeah. within a couple you'll know if you like the band or not exactly yeah you don't have to waste too much of your time if it ends up no. not being what you're into no and i can't think of any band that each song is drastically like different enough that you couldn't make that assumption after a few yeah yeah exactly and you're not like there could be one track on the album that's completely different from the rest of them, but that one track's not gonna sell you on a band as a whole if you don't jive with their sound as a whole. Yeah, if exactly. that makes any sense. <laughs> well, totally. I mean, you're not gonna judge Metallica based on Enter Sandman, right? Or the Unforgiven. You're gonna look at a couple of the other songs and realize they're completely fucking different. Yeah. I would judge Metallica on 72 seasons though. That's not a good album for me. I just it doesn't click. It's I'm I'm such a diehard Metallica guy. I'm like I'm I'm at a point where I'm so satisfied with their 80s and 90s catalog that anything else they put out I'm just like it's just a gift. Yeah. Just <laughs> it's new Metallica. Hell yeah. Um I'm definitely not going to write them off for putting out a 72 seasons because I don't want to describe <laughs> it because I don't want to like it's fine <laughs> but but it's not jaw-dropping like but but yeah I'm so satisfied with with what they've already put out that anything else that they decide to to put out is just bonus content and I'm I'm here for it that kind of reminds me of the thought process behind Fro the Frozen Souls latest release like for me it was a great album I loved it and then I saw a lot of people online that were kind of whether it be bashing it or just saying it's the same old shit and it's like it's still good like it doesn't have to be the most groundbreaking thing ever it doesn't have to be yeah. changing the mold it's it's something that they do well so enjoy it or not it doesn't matter yeah 100% like it's it's 72 seasons is far from a bad album in my opinion i think the performances on it are all spectacular um it sounds like one long song is like the only thing um but one long Metallica song is is okay in my books. <laughs> when I first started listening to Metallica, long was like seven minutes. I'm like, holy fuck, these guys go forever. Yeah. I'm noticing that coming back as a trend. Like, I remember when we were starting the writing process for Kingdom Undone, we were like, song lengths was a big discussion for us. We were like, do we do we make a rule that we're not going to go over three minutes and, and be that band that caters to the TikTok attention span? And now you got Sleep Token with six and a half minute long masterpieces sweeping the nation and blowing up. And it's like, and the new Avenged Sevenfold averages five minutes a song, I'm pretty sure. And it's like, just do whatever you want. As you know, like 
song length wise, experimentation, whatever, you can still just do whatever you want. And if it's good, people will. Well, experimenting or staying the same, people are going to shit all over you regardless. So (laughs) that's just do what you want anyways. (laughs) That too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that people complain about bands changing their sound, but then if they don't change the sound, it's like, why didn't they change their sound? It's like, because you guys keep bitching about fucking everything. Yeah, totally. Like, everyone's bitching about the new, not everyone, but people have opinions on the new Avenged record. And I'm like, if they put out another another album that just sounds like Nightmare or Self-Title or whatever, I'd be like, cool, a new solid Avenged. But what they did on the new record is like, holy shit, like, this is completely bonkers. It's, It's amazing. It's awesome. I haven't actually listened to them since some of their older stuff. Like, how does it differ? It's like they got a song on there that sounds like Daft Punk, straight up. <laughs> like they've got, uh, they've got a song that sounds like it was written by AI. It's like they just punched right in Avenged Sevenfold song in <laughs> ChatGPT or whatever program people use. Um, it's very, very experimental. It's like they they made it weird, very weird. Interesting. I might yeah. have to go take a look at that after this. Then the final song on the album is just a five minute. Um, instrumental, like, piano, strings, just a beautiful track that just caps off the album. It's, like, just totally crazy. So for somebody who doesn't traditionally like Fenge Sevenfold, is it worth listening to? If you want to listen to something that's different, <laughs> but still, like, in the realm of hard rock and metal, yeah, definitely. Check it out, yeah. Will do. Front to back, like it's it's. That's its only downfall is like the singles are like, what the hell is this? But then when you front to back the record, you're like, that's what the hell it is. It's it's a it's an experience. It's a whole it's a whole journey. So they're basically like building blocks for the entire album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when when uh, when artists do that because it gives you, like for me, I like the singles, but when they don't really match the rest of the album, it kind of just it lessens the impact for me. So when the whole album kind of flows together as a whole, I can sit there listening to it front to back. And, and like you said, it's an experience. That's an hour of my time that I don't need to get back because it's incredible. Yeah. that It took me a long time to get into Mastodon's Emperor of Sand for that reason because Show Yourself was such a weird song for them. It's great. Love it. But it's just like a radio rock song. And then I didn't really give the album much of a chance because I was like, okay, if they're going in that direction now, you know, I'll get around to this record. And when I did, it's like, holy shit, it's like my favorite Mastodon record. And it just took some time and it finally clicked. But single releases are tricky that way. You want to attract new fans while pleasing the old ones. And that's a fine line. Well, and you also want to send out music like before your release that's catchy enough that, like you said, brings in new fans and pleases old fans alike. But you're also working with, how is this going to sound on its own? As uh, And like we've touched on already, if it's part of an album and sounds great, that's awesome. But if you take something out of context, it may not work as well as just a single. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Ultimately, you got to just decide which song you want to represent your stuff. And then once it's out, there's no turning back. <laughs> and you know what? People will find... The songs that they like, it doesn't matter if they're a single or not. As soon as that's released and everybody has a chance to take a listen, they're going to pick their favorite songs anyways. Yeah, totally. 
we've that's that's what I've been enjoying about the feedback with Kingdom Undone is so many people have different favorite songs on on the album. It's like sweet, we did it. <laughs> have you ever had somebody tell you their favorite song and you were and you were completely surprised by it, thinking maybe why would you choose that? Not, no, not not really. Um, because we did have a hard time picking the singles off this record, <laughs> mm-hmm. so not to just gas myself up, but I I could see why people would all have a different favorite song off the record because we did have a hard time choosing what our favorite songs were and what we wanted to release as singles. And so I, I think every song has potential to be someone's favorite song off it, yeah. That's really good, and it, that means what you guys are putting out and how difficult of a time you're having trying to select means that everybody else is thinking the exact same way. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but at the same time, makes our set list strategies that much more difficult because we definitely don't have the whole album ready to play live. So <laughs> we did do that with Harbinger. We played the whole album front to back at our release show, and uh, it would be fun to do that with Kingdom Undone eventually, but we'll get there. Speaking of playing shows, and so we've already chatted about Loud as Hell at length, but you're also playing something called Intersect Festival in High River. I've never heard of it, and that's about two weeks after Loud as Hell. So I just looked quickly at the poster when I saw it online, and there's not a lot of bands I've heard of. So is this a bunch of different genres? Is it kind of like alternative waves? Uh, I think it's even more... Um cross crossing genres than alternative waves does it's uh yeah like hip-hop edm rock metal bit of everything i think i i haven't been myself but uh i uh reached out to uh a couple of people who've played it before and they were like yeah it's it's a great time (laughs) it's awesome so we'll uh we'll see and forgive my ignorance anyone who's listening but do you happen to know if this is the first year they're playing the festival? Or not not you guys playing, sorry, that they're running the Intersect Festival, or is that something that's been going on for a few years? Uh, going on for a few years. Not sure how long exactly, but at least at least two prior years, I want to say. Okay. I just hadn't heard of it, and I think part of the reason is because it's not specifically metal. When you look yeah. at Metal Fest in Alberta, I think um, Loud as Hell is pretty much the only one that comes up. Yeah, that sounds right. There was Beaver Fest. And if you were lucky enough to attend that, you know how special that one was. <laughs> now I have to ask, what is Beaverfest and when was the uh, specific one that you're talking about? Uh, so where, oh man, it was in Valley View, Alberta. That's a which really is, random place. Yeah, really random place. Uh, it had Gob, Protest the Hero. Oh shit, there's the poster. Comeback Kids, Silverstein, The Agonist. Um... Nightseeker, Diener's band. Uh, we played it, and it's like a greatest hits of all the awesome Alberta metal bands from 2014 played this festival. It just kind of flopped, unfortunately, and, and they didn't continue on. But Valley View, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's a long drive for pretty much anyone. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's where I got my dog from, and this is definitely a side story, but. So I worked a 16-hour shift at work, and I ended up driving to Edmonton. I rented an Airbnb, which was a, a random room in a person's house. So I got there at, like, I don't know, 6 p.m. They asked if I wanted dinner. They were super nice. But I said, no, I'm probably going to leave here shortly. So I slept for a few hours, got up at 2 in the morning, 
drove the rest of the way to Valley View to pick up this rescue. And then I drove all the way back to Calgary. So that was like oh, damn. 12 hours of driving basically in the same day. And I was fucking yeah. done. But yeah. luckily the dog slept all, all the way home. I don't know how nice. she did it. She awesome. didn't even piss in the car. <laughs> Amazing. Anyways, now she's a little shit that gets in my way all the time. But I love her to death, and that's what dogs do, I guess. Dogs will be dogs. <laughs> dogs will be dogs. <laughs> I'm glad they're not down here right now because they'd be tearing this place up. <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife's keeping mine occupied upstairs because <laughs> I haven't heard him either. <laughs> if if the door was open, the one would come down, and he just wouldn't leave me alone. He'd be wagging his tail, knocking shit over like he's he's just a ball <laughs> of happiness, and you can't you cannot stop him from being insane nice oh that's but awesome i wish i had some of that energy i know right <laughs> they just don't know better ignorance is bliss and dogs are just perfect example of that oh totally now cats <laughs> on the other hand i have two of those as well and they're just dicks. yeah super oh love cats <laughs> couldn't live without them but it's so funny how they choose when and how to show affection and yeah when to just be like nah i don't care Go away. <laughs> I think people could learn more from cats in that way. It's just like, for sure, you don't want the attention. I don't know. I guess where I'm trying to go with this is it'd be nice to have that honesty sometimes instead of trying to be friendly all the time or having to talk to people when you really don't want to. It's like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm just going to leave. Maybe the next metal festival someone starts needs to be like dog inclusive. <laughs> That'd be sick. <laughs> Imagine a bunch of different dogs running around at loud as hell. They would fucking yeah, love it. Totally. Put up a racetrack on the on the motocross track there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Place your bets. Oh, shit. That'd be fun. It'd be going back to my dog. He'd be going the wrong way. That's just another, like, just, like, I don't know what word to use, but just another example of how dedicated Jeff is, how amazing he is, is, like, this is, what, year 12, 13? Like, a lot of people have tried and failed to do what he's doing, and he finds a way. It's it's amazing. He's definitely determined, and, like, even just looking at the the posters over the years, like, you can see how basic the first couple were, and just the caliber of bands that have gone through loud as hell, and he seems to just keep raising the bar every fucking year. Yeah, like, thanks to him, we got to share a stage with, uh, like, Pit for an Autopsy the first year we played it. Like that that's crazy. Like <laughs> Yeah, that's they've, and uh, then, they've well, blown Arch up Spire big too. time since then. Archspire, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Um that was I think the same year, right? Uh yes, and then Into Eternity was there as well. And I think that was before Stu Block actually left, if I remember correctly. Yeah, probably. I know he came back uh for the twenty twenty one. They played the day before us with him. Yeah, and I think now he's officially part of the band again. I think the original Wicked. show at Loud as Hell was supposed to be like a one-off, and then after the fact, he rejoined. I want to jump into your old album a little bit. So you worked with Travis Smith for the album cover of Harbinger, and he's incredibly talented. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with his work, you can look at, uh, take a look at Allegiance, Damnum, Bloodbath, Bloodbath, Survival of the... F Sorry, I'm going crazy. I'm thinking of Harbinger but I'm talking about Travis Smith on your new album. So let me start that again. Yeah, that's right. I was going to correct uh, so, you, but you got yeah, it. Travis Smith did your latest album cover. Uh, again, for anyone who's not familiar with his work, we can look at Allegiance Damnum, Bloodbath's Survival of the Sickest, Devin Townsend's Lightwork, and Overkill's Scorched for some of his most recent work. 
So what was it that you drew to, drew you to him originally, and how was he to work with? Uh, we wanted to work with him like a decade ago. I think we emailed him when we were working on Shadows back in the day. And uh, I don't know if we didn't get a reply or if it just didn't work out for some reason or another. But we, like he did, I think, uh, Ascendancy Trivium. And um, he did... Oh, which death album did he do? Sound of Perseverance, I think. Okay. Um, so he was always on our radar. And uh, as the years have gone by, it's still just been a goal of ours to have him do uh, an album cover for us. And we finally made it work. And so stoked with how it came out. Like, that shit is just deadly. <laughs> it's, it uh, looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Did you give him a lot of creative it. freedom, or did you have kind of a direction you wanted to go? Uh, yeah, like, we had a... I think he came up with pretty much everything. It just bounced it off us, and we were like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. If, if I recall correctly, <laughs> we didn't really give him too much guidance. I can imagine that being a lot more fulfilling for artists because they're not being told exactly what to do. I guess where I'm coming from this is like with my tattoo artist, he, he's talked with me about how when somebody comes in and says, do this exact thing, he feels creatively limited and then he's not as engaged with the piece because it's already been mm -hmm. done. And he yeah. says when he gets creative freedom that he puts a lot more passion and emphasis on what he wants to do, but it normally comes out looking a lot better. Yeah, you always get the best result when you, like it's fine to have an idea, but to be like, to give a finite idea that you need to be a certain way definitely limits the artist's creativity. And yeah, whenever I've collaborated with a tattoo artist, I'm like, I want this with this and a little bit of this. And then they'll come back with just something amazing. And I'm like, awesome. Let's do that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Always give your visual artists as much <laughs> freedom of expression as they need. Yeah. And it'll always turn out better for it. Well, the thing is that, that that's their job. They're creative. Yeah. They they know their own mediums. Like for you guys, it would be music. So for if I wanted to hire somebody to play music for me, whether it be on an album or say like an event, and if I said, this is what you have to play, this is how you have to do it, you guys would be like, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hire us to do a, a country album and you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, you, you might do a good job. I don't know. I don't know how the, the <laughs> styles of music translate, but... <laughs> be a fun challenge we'd make a lot of uh our canadian family members happy <laughs> <laughs> i bet living in grand prairie Man, right i hated trucks before i've i'd ever been up there and i thought calgary had a lot but driving up to grand prairie in my little kia i was like i was completely outmatched there wasn't the roads were crap <laughs> because a lot of potholes and then there yeah. were just trucks fucking everywhere yeah I have a I have a country artist persona called Buck Huckum. And <laughs> nice. uh my my number one hit single is called If I Was Your Truck. <laughs> <laughs> Basically <laughs> comparing uh, you know, <laughs> how would you treat me if I was your truck? <laughs> it's uh yeah, number one single in Canada right now. That's awesome. Uh so where I was going to go with Harbinger, I really liked the album cover on that as well. There was a similarity I noticed in the style, and so I looked back at Neck of the Woods, um, their album, 
fuck. Now I can't remember what it's called. It's the one before the annex of Ire. Yeah, it was our sec- yeah, yeah, yeah. Second last album. Same, but anyways, same the, artist, and we definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely love like that neck of the woods artwork. So we were like, okay, that guy with a with a live prop with a camera in the woods, <laughs> like. <laughs> so did you guys choose one of his photographs that he already had, or did you guys have something set up specifically for your album? Uh, he did that specifically for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so on the metal archives, and this is where I get some of my information from, but Elizabeth Moore is credited with the photography. So is that correct, or did they kind of work as a team? That's, yeah, that's, um, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin's wife. Okay. Yeah. That's what I assumed. I just if wasn't I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> but yeah, they, they worked together on it, and, and then his friend happened to have the, the mask. Okay. Um, and, and so they worked with him, got that all rolling and we, we wanted like, we wanted a figure that represented a harbinger of death, of doom, of, of bad. <laughs> so they <laughs> bad. nailed it. Freaking nailed it. Definitely. Love, love that artwork too. I've noticed a lot of his f- photographs are quite unsettling and the same kind of style. A lot of it has to do with like the forest and these masks or otherwise covered figures and they're just frankly terrifying <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i like yeah. how consistent it's been and so every good. single one of those it has a very distinct style to it mm-hmm. yeah he's so good at what he does um he uh was our first pick to do the kingdom undone artwork and then i think he ended up working with travis uh and like they slightly collaborated on the Kingdom Undone uh, concept, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. But uh, what we wanted to do with him just didn't work out schedule budget-wise. And uh, so we ended up having uh, Travis do it, yeah. When you sent it off to Travis, did you have something similar in mind to what actually came out? I can't remember. <laughs> I definitely was more of a a vote in the band chat than an actual participant in the um like back and forth with him so Mm -hmm. i can't specifically remember how much direction we gave him and and how much like how much him and kevin collaborated and stuff i just know that's kind of how it happened (laughs) through some of the things you mentioned like regarding social media and the fact that you weren't really the point man for chatting with Travis, who normally takes on those responsibilities? Uh, our drummer, Ty, a lot of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He runs our Instagram for the most part. And uh, he's, yeah, he was very hands-on with most of the process of Kingdom Undone. He he got Mark up here. He got the album artwork handled. Um, lots, of, lots of the grunt work was Ty. Mm-hmm. And did he kind of just fall into that role, or is that something that you guys actively chose and said, this is one of the responsibilities that, say, I don't want, or this is something that we should only have one member doing? I think he just felt strongest about how stuff was, like, how he wanted stuff to go, mm-hmm. where, like, any any one of us would have, I guess, handled that if he was like, no, I'm fine with whoever you want. But he wanted mark he wanted travis Mm. so he made it happen and 
and uh, it was awesome that he did. He 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 worked a ton on on the back on the on the back of what made this album happen. And that's really cool to finally see it come to fruition after all that hard work too. And that's not even to say with the music that you guys played and how much time and effort you put into the album itself. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's awesome. Like we started recording almost two years ago, and having it finally out and playing shows again feels amazing. Love doing it. And I'm going to jump back to the beginning here for just for a moment, but I was reading in a previous interview that you mentioned your band's name relates to when the seasons change to autumn and begin to decay. So that's sort of a nod to Opeth's song, Demon of the Fall. Definitely. So my questions here are, why did you choose Opeth and, or sorry, why did you choose Opeth to inspire the title of the, your band? And then more specifically, why that song? Uh, that was, uh, that was Ty again. <laughs> okay. He, uh, he was always like the, like, like Opeth's awesome for sure, but he was like, like they were the band for him when we started this band, like you know, twelve years ago, um, back when Opeth was a death metal band. <laughs> uh, so he was like, he was like, I, I got this idea to call the band Arrival of Autumn. I took it from this Opeth lyric, and I think it's it fits our theme. And we were like, sweet. Let's let's do that then. <laughs> no objections and no better ideas came up. So that's usually how we decide these things, vote on them or, you know, put two ideas head to head and whichever one we like more, that's the one we go with. But picking a band name is just almost impossible to do. <laughs> so no we shit. wrestled with it for a few months, but we were like, we have to name the band. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that was that was the best idea. <laughs> And I like how you guys bring up different ideas to see which one's the best. You guys can punch holes in both of them and see which one comes out on top. We were going to name it Tomorrow May Fall, which is funny, fall, autumn. That's a coincidence. Uh, looked it up, and there was a band in um, Minnesota called Tomorrow May Fall. And we actually ended up becoming friends with them and actually got to meet... They're not a band anymore, but the, the guy who was the guitar player at the time came out to see yeah. us on the Inflame store, and we got to oh, actually cool. meet face-to-face. -face. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so you, I'm guessing that you guys just previously met um, them online. Yeah, yeah. We just we hit them up. We were like, hey, we were going to name our band this, but, you know, good for you for <laughs> getting the first <laughs> having that as your band name already. Yeah. <laughs> Having a unique name is a lot better than having one or a name that there's like 10 or 15 bands. That's for sure. You can't. Yeah. You got to Google that shit. <laughs> got to make sure it hasn't been done. <laughs> Basically, the, the other the only other questions I have left for you today are in regards to your personal musical taste. So when you started to first get into metal, who are some of the bands that drew you in? And now what's on your heavy rotation? Yeah, for sure. Um I was shown Enter Sandman, uh, Chop Suey, Last Resort, Down With The Sickness, and, um, oh, what's that Linkin Park song? Points of Authority. Mm. All around the very, all, all in like the same summer of my life when I was like 11. Yeah. And that so was kind of like the start. <laughs> the I'm going to be a metalhead in 10 years starter pack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had the Black Album on pretty heavy rotation. 
uh, Hybrid Theory on pretty heavy rotation. Uh, then I discovered Demon Hunter when I was like 12 or 13, and that was the first time I got into a band where screaming was the primary vocals. And uh, and then eventually Bullet from a Valentine, um, which became my favorite band for quite a long time and, and my biggest influence. Uh, so like between Bullet from a Valentine and Metallica is why I wanted to play and sing or play guitar and sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my role in the band when we started because of those bands. And uh, as I evolved as a musician, I just, yeah, kind of got pulled more into just the vocals side of things and uh, uh, got really into like uh, architects when I was around 15 or 16, around the time I started the band. So Sam Carter was a huge influence for me starting um and uh bring me the horizon so yeah those are like that's that's kind of the gist of like what got me to the point where i wanted to do music and then i mean a lot of those bands are still in my heavy rotation too like (laughs) new architects record new bring me the horizon stuff kicks ass new metallica's on rotation new avenge sevenfolds on rotation um and then I got really into hip hop like 10 years ago when Kanye West put out Yeezus. I think that came out 10 years ago today, actually, uh, which like I never really got into hip hop because I was like, I knew what to expect and I knew I wasn't really into it. And then Yeezus came out and I'm like, holy shit, this is nuts. Like that record is is crazy. It's it's almost like it's catered towards heavy music listeners. And uh hmm. And then I I got really into hip hop, so I'm, I've I've been I've been into that for like pretty much ten years now as well. So I don't spin as much Kanye West lately, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, yeah, like uh, Pusha T is one of my favorites. Um, Run the Jewels, yeah, stuff like that as well, for sure. Just like metal, there's a lot of really good rap coming out, a lot of good hip hop, yeah. but there's a lot of shit too. Yep, totally. There's so much shit, but I I like a lot of the shit too. Like, <laughs> 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 like just the, I don't know, like Migos, Quavo shit. Like, it's just so like Drake, huge Drake fan. It's like the Nickelback of hip hop, but I'm a I wouldn't have for expected it. that. I know. Yeah, love that shit. <laughs> Actually, that's... Oh, no, I think I covered it up with another thing, but I had a Drake record. But <laughs> You have, like, all this metal stuff and then Drake. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's It's good to have a variety. I mean... Oh, it's over there. You won't be able to see it. Uh, Tyler, the creator. Love Tyler, the creator. I've actually heard of him. I don't think I've heard him, but I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Really fun stuff. So what was it about that Kanye West record that kind of blew you away like i i was familiar with some of his older stuff just before then and i haven't heard probably the last three or four albums of his so even okay yeah anyways yeah it's um it's just like it's not it's not radio hit hip-hop it's like like some of the some of the sounds are like abrasive and and like they don't sound good <laughs> mm. if you like if you know what i mean 
um it's like yeah just just the the sense that they that they used on it the 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 aggression like the way he raps on it is really just really angry and and like he's it's almost like what started the trend of like suicide boys and city morgue and i think that's what they're called and like stuff like that like like emo hip hop i think hmm. kind of started because of that album and i think that's what drew me to it was it was like it was catered towards heavy music lovers it was mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty fun record pretty crazy and then there's some songs on it that are a little more typical kanye west but yeah of course well they have to like you said bring in new fans and keep the old yeah. fans happy so <laughs> exactly. trying to experiment a little without completely alienating your fan base and then a big thing was the song i am a god i was like this is just amazing the guy's just saying i'm a god <laughs> bring me bring me my croissants i'm a god <laughs> <laughs> it's like just the ridiculousness of it he doesn't take himself too seriously but at the same time he's saying i'm a god <laughs> at least the man knows what he wants mm-hmm so funny yeah i've started to notice a huge like change in hip-hop i mean obviously there's the overdone auto-tune bullshit but guys like run the jewels how they incorporate a lot of electronic elements and some very unique sounds that don't really make an appearance in a lot of different styles of music yeah yeah definitely which like like the new avenged they kind of like they use vocal modulators is that the right word (laughs) they use effects on the vocals at times where it's like it's not just auto tune, but it's like, mm-hmm. like robot voices and stuff, like stuff that you, yeah, you hear a lot in hip hop, but not in metal so much. And they're kind of trying to bring that together, which works pretty well. It's kind of cool. One of the most obvious examples of that that I can think of was Dio's "Dream Evil," and his voice, like during one of the choruses where he's saying "Dream Evil," and his his sound, his voice kind of turns into a robotic, like down tuned cyborg almost for a moment i was like yeah 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 that shit's fun like i just checked out the new entheos album earlier today actually and they use a lot of that stuff on it that was just the one they came out earlier this year right yeah it's not like brand brand new but um what's it called i got it right here uh time will take us all yeah yeah, yes um wicked stuff yeah i agree i don't know how to how to pronounce her name i hope i'm not gonna fuck this up but i think it's cheney yeah i think so. she's incredible yeah. at what she does yeah love watching her live playthroughs and shit like just just crazy inspirational like oh yeah if you want someone to put a fire under your ass and make you better watch her videos because <laughs> nuts i saw them live with Infury, volvodini and archspire ah uh, and... yeah Nice. I think I think it was just the four. I'm probably gonna remember the fifth later if there was, and I'm gonna feel like shit. But when I saw her get on stage, there was not another person that night that. And don't get me wrong, this is not bashing the other bands because they were fucking all incredible, and it was the best show I've been to in years. But yeah. partly because of COVID, partly because they kicked ass. But uh, Cheney got up there and just controlled the crowd. She had them going from front to back and it was some of the most intense moshing i've seen in a long time wow wow i'm definitely not saying the other bands weren't as intense because they were in like headlining yet arch spire it's like how the yeah like yeah just an incredible night through and through (laughs) awesome awesome my couple of my friends saw that show but i didn't make it out to that but yeah sounds like it was 
awesome, which I totally believe because that's a crazy lineup. Oh, yeah. I think anything... Well, anyways, I'm not going to go down that road because you can talk about how some bands, some tours just have that next level, I guess, next level bill, if that makes sense. I don't even know where I'm yeah, going. Yeah, sometimes just... you strike magic with, with your yeah. bill and, and it sucks when your favorite band comes around and the lineup before them is is whatever. Like, <laughs> you want it to be fun from start to finish and sometimes it ain't sometimes it is but and that's one of the dangers when you're selecting other bands like um i know that when Allegiant just came through i chatted with greg and he didn't really know uh the bands that were playing with Allegiant because so many of them were different every city so sometimes you don't have the opportunity to choose the bands that come with you but then there's a flip side of things where if you choose the the wrong band for your tour it might set you up for the same type of failure but yeah again then it can also work out really really well yeah for sure like we didn't tour with any one specific band on our on our west coast run we had bands every night from uh from the area and it it worked great we loved seeing and meeting these bands and uh it's a great way to you know like broaden your uh uh rolodex as it were yeah. <laughs> like yeah, uh totally. yeah yeah um we played with uh arrow in the quiver in vancouver and they're just fucking a ball of energy like so sick just to just to shout out one band and uh yeah like just it was, it was a fun way to do it yeah we met a lot of great people saw a lot of great bands and I guess that's the the benefit of the double-edged sword here is that you get to run into so many different people. Like you said, expand your network. You get to see what sounds work well with yours, maybe what doesn't, and that's good for the future as well. But I think one thing that sticks out for me is each of those shows are a completely unique experience because you won't have the same bands every night. So even if you see the headliner or one of the other bands that are involved, you've got a completely different experience than the person in the next city. Yeah, yeah, totally. And... uh more of an idea of you know who we might want to recommend to promoters to book and, and stuff like that too like just keep just keep the scene alive and and keep keep these bands playing shows <laughs> yeah exactly and i don't know if you'll know this part of it but because you had local bands kind of play for you every night was this something that was left up to the venue or the the people that were organizing the tour itself uh mostly left up to the uh to the promoters in each city yeah okay yeah. so when you were setting up your headlining tour did you have to speak with one promoter that you know very well and they kind of did the rest of the work like as long as they corresponded with your dates or did you have to in, like network with a bunch of different promoters at at the same time uh, a bunch of different ones yeah like a different promoter for like every city pretty much uh, as far as I understand it, <laughs> our, okay. our booking agent slash bass player, Liam, handles all that. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you introduce him first as your booking agent, not your bass player. He's our booking agent first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he wasn't your bass player, you would just poach another one from another Grand Prairie band. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> uh Well, Jameson, it was a pleasure chatting with you today, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys play it loud as hell. Again, thank you for joining me, and we'll see each other soon.
Sounds great, man. Yeah, this was awesome. And definitely looking forward to uh, seeing you at Loud as Hell. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.